Welcome everyone to Screams After Midnight Solo Shudder Review Edition. I've not quite figured out the perfect title for this yet, but that's okay. This is the little sister show of Screams After Midnight, where I, on my own, am working my way through Shudder exclusives, uh, usually sticking to the newer ones unless there's a quiet week and we'll go back and do an older one. This episode we are talking about Blood Vessel. It is a film which is listed as 2020 on Shudder. It's 2019 on Blood Vessel. Like a lot of the films that end up as exclusives on Shudder, it's probably, and I'm just double checking this as I talk, it's probably just a case of it was at some film festivals in 2019, but it was really 2020 when it got released to the public. So I would say this is a 2020 release. You know, if I was counting this for, you know, best of lists and worst of lists at the end of the year, I'd be counting it as 2020. Um, which list could it make? You're going to get an indication in a second. So, what is Blood Vessel? I'll start spoiler free, of course, as I always do. Blood Vessel, uh, the description on IMDb puts it as the following. Uh, lifeboat survivors aboard a... Uh, sorry. Lifeboat survivors board a German boat that is crawling with vampires during World War II. What's interesting about that description on IMDb is that the description on Shudder did not mention vampires. I didn't actually know when I started this movie, that it was going down a vampiric path. And that came as kind of a sort of gradual realization and surprise. Although I would argue that they're not straight vampires. There's a lot, they're definitely vampire-esque. There's a lot of vampire imagery. There's a lot of vampire stuff going on. But the rules are a bit specific. It's not like every vampire rule you know applies to this. It's not everything that is typical of vampires is here. It's a more monstrous take on vampires. It's a bit closer to, say, a Nosferatu-esque kind of thing than your, you know, your suave Dracula or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, so it's an allied boat of refugees or of, uh, you know, just a shipwreck. Is it, uh, The description on Shudder called it a hospital ship. I don't... That does not sound like the right term to me. I feel like... Uh, uh, medical ship or i don't know i've never heard the phrase hospital ship before it sounds wrong but they we don't even see what happens to them we don't get the the backstory really outside of they were on a ship and now they are stranded on a lifeboat there's uh like about eight of them give or take and it's a really hodgepodge of characters we have a couple of english characters we have an australian character a couple of american characters and a Russian character, and there may be one or two that I've glossed over because they're not as memorable. And what's weird about it is some of the accents are a little bit weird, and they come off feeling a bit bit odd. Uh, I couldn't confirm if the one who is seemed to be trying to do a New York, maybe kind of Brooklyn-style accent, I, I didn't say on IMDb where he was from, but there are at least three or four of the other main cast are actually all Australian, despite the fact that there's only one actual Australian character. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that this was shot in some capacity in Australia, or it was Australian funded or something. Because it, it definitely came across that way once you started to realise that a lot of the cast were Australian. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's, it's set in 1945, so right towards the end of the war. And... They're stranded, they're arguing about food, uh, they already have been stranded for some time because they've run out of food, and lo and behold, a boat appears, a ship, and they're all excited until they see the uh, the, the various Nazi, you know, symbols and 
flags and whatever kicking around. And they're like, oh crap. So they, they cautiously still board it because ultimately they don't really have a lot of choice. They're, they're stranded in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. What are they going to do? And they get on board and it's, you know, it, it follows the beats of a lot of other things. It follows the beats of something like aliens with them coming down to the planet and sort of seeing the aftermath of something bad that has happened. Uh, you know, they get on the ship and the crew just aren't around. There's a couple of dead ones. There's like a dead captain like sitting in his chair there's a couple of other dead bodies around but it's mostly empty it feels like something eerie happened something bad happened and of course as it goes on we get to the uh the the actual horror of the danger they're in uh throughout you know it's very resident evil to, to the point where it even feels like a big deal a couple of times when they find a weapon when they find a working machine gun or they find an axe in someone's dead hand and it's like oh this feels like a video game it feels like i just found a weapon and all of a sudden they've leveled up and they can defend themselves a little bit but there's a lot of things that that, that correlate to other stuff um at one point i even thought they were going to have a newt like character from from aliens uh, well, i was watching it live and it was one of the viewers who said oh i bet this character is not actually this i bet she's newt and for a you know, a little bit of the movie, it kind of feels like it's going that direction, but then it kind of swerves back a little bit, uh, because, you know, horror. And I don't think that's much of a spoiler, to be honest. Um, so before I, you know, obviously I'll save everything else for spoilers, but in terms of, you know, enjoyment, is it good? Is it worth watching? Uh, you know, on episode two of this, this Shudder exclusive journey that we're, we're now going on, um, it's not a good movie. In fact, I would definitely say it's a bad movie. It's not the worst movie. <laughs> it's not the worst bad movie. Uh, what I said upon finishing it, as soon as the credits rolled, is that it feels like a movie that you stumbled onto at 2am on a movie channel on cable. Uh, or maybe not in the movie channel, maybe the sci-fi channel. But And I'm not, I'm not saying it's like Sharknado and things like that. Uh, I'm saying it feels like a movie of a different era. It feels like a movie that you got in the 90s when... They were doing these things for relatively cheap, and they were just, you know, on late night TV constantly. That's that type of movie. That's what it feels like. Uh, with pretty mediocre acting. I wouldn't say it's garbage acting. It's just really mediocre. It feels TV movie-esque in terms of the acting quality. What is surprising, though, the one thing that kind of felt a bit above the rest of the film bizarrely was some of the practical effects um i'll just say that there was a fair bit of makeup involved with the the vampires themselves and that looks surprisingly pretty good compared to what the, the you know the overall quality of the rest of the movie was which you know typically felt fairly cheap whenever it did an exterior shot of the ship it looked it looked kind of rough it looked kind of just just you know, like a little, little cg you know a little too cg but the, the vampires look pretty good. And it was funny is that uh, discovered after the movie that the director of this film, Justin Dix, is actually uh, an award-winning special effects coordinator or uh, supervisor, which kind of explains why the practical effects are quite good. Uh, whereas everything else, you know, whenever it uses CG fire, whenever it uses, you know, these other things, it tends to waver a little bit. But some of the practical effects, there's a couple of kills as well that are that are fairly solid. Um, so, and that's definitely the best thing it's got going for it, which, again, it's kind of what adds to the, the feeling of what I was describing, where it feels like the sort of random movie that you 
you rented in the you know in blockbuster or wherever in the 90s based on the title based on the cover and it was mostly pretty shit but you did have a couple of good kills or some good effects to kind of make it worth the time that's kind of the feeling that i got from this which is not to say that i recommend it if you have nostalgia for that era maybe a little bit (laughs) i don't know um it was okay watching it with other people if you don't know i always watch these shudder movies for these reviews on stream with uh with the live audience over on the other channel male fuzz tv live it's a separate channel just for the streams um we tend to do that on thursday nights but you know i, I think having the the fellow audience there helps I, I think having some people to sort of like you know, joke about some stuff and you know comment on what's, what's going on makes it a little bit of a better experience and it's definitely not the worst type of movie that i've you know in terms of the stuff that we've covered on the streams we have done much worse than this this is watchable it's watchable in that kind of really mediocre but it's knocking off it's ripping off a lot of movies that are good or it's ripping off a lot of things that are good um you know there's a bit of aliens in here or you know a bit of resident evil a bit of these other things but then you've got the vampire element and of course you have this whole you know the nazis were into the occult kind of thing and that's why it's on a nazi ship um it's kind of part of the backstory it it's watchable it's watchable it's forgettable it's not something that's going to leave that much of a mark outside of one or two positive qualities all pretty much pertaining to the practical effects um the characters are bland and they don't really ever go beyond that um they're basically flat out unlikable though the main sort of dude who's the australian he is maybe a little more likable than everyone else but even the other characters who are supposed to be likable kind of get on my nerves they're a little just a little bit grain not too much but just a little bit grain you know we're supposed to sympathize with the the one female character well other than the the girl that's on the ship but the one female character of the main group who is you know a nurse or, or a doctor from the from the previous ship like she was just kind of annoying and like overly british and a, a really in fact speaking of the british characters the the other guy the, the faraday who's kind of the 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 coward whiny one also over the top british accent and like i said the, the new yorker has a really over the top accent so there's a lot of like really over the top dodgy implementation of accents in this um which is maybe one of the reasons why i found them kind of just annoying <laughs> more than anything else yeah, maybe that's why the Australian guy comes across a little bit better is because he's actually using his real accent. Um, that said, though, they don't get away from the cliches because despite the fact that they were all like in the war and they were all in the ship because they were shipping home or they were injured or whatever, this Australian still has like an Australian style hat on and I thought that was kind of weird. What, he was allowed to wear that when he was fighting in the military? What? <laughs> or the Navy or whatever, you know, whatever. I don't know. Like it doesn't. They never really go into what any of these people were actually doing in the war. Uh, there's like one brief mention of him being a prisoner, being a POW, uh, basically. And it, other than that, there's like almost nothing. There's there's like one scene where they all kind of like show off a scar or two, like a bullet hole here, you know, kind of thing. Other than that, there's almost nothing about who these people are, who they were. Uh, the only thing in this very same scene as the bullet holes there's a little bit brought up about who has family so you know one guy has a wife or someone has a kid someone lost their their, their spouse and their their kid you know the, the nurse for example lost her husband and her daughter 
Um, her daughter was in the Blitz. That's where she died. Her husband was a soldier who died in Africa. Like, all, all, like, that's basically it. Like, I basically just summed up in about 30 seconds everything we ever learn about any of these characters. And there's not really any interesting bonds that are formed. The closest thing they try is that everyone's kind of distrusting of the Russian. But he's actually one of the more capable characters. And him and the Australian dude kind of, it's like they have a slight bond, I suppose. But it felt like there could have been more to it than that. Uh, the biggest problem with the characters, I think more than anything, is just that it feels like they're going through the motions most of the time of what this type of movie is supposed to have them do, as opposed to actually taking the time to really build any of them or make us care about any of them. Everything's just kind of, okay, checklist of scene where the guy who they don't trust does this, or the scene where the one who is kind of nervous does this, and it just feels like it's going through the motions, and... As a result, all the events with the characters just feel kind of hollow. And it makes it really hard to remember a lot of the, the beats of this. You know, sometimes I'll go through the movie kind of in order when I get to spoilers. Sometimes I don't, depending. Just whatever fits the movie at hand. With this one, there's no way I could go in order. I I, I, I watched it, like, I finished the movie maybe two hours ago, if that. And I, I don't think I can recount the, the sequence of events in order. I can give you the big tentpole moments. I can give you the the spots, the big high spots of the big turning points, but in order? Nah, probably not. So, that's kind of my spoiler-free thoughts. It's not good, but kind of watchable in a late-night cable 1994 kind of way. Not that I was watching stuff like this in 1994, I was five, but by the end of the 90s, I was. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'll give this the spoiler. I'll, I'll take this time. To thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bored Now, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, Brett Williams, and David Brown. That's our Patreon producers over at patreon.com slash TV, where you can go over and support us as well. You don't have to be a producer, though, of course. You can support us for as little as $1 per month. And $1 per month is amazing in its own right. It is more than we would make if you watched every single ad on every single video that we put out in a month. So, never question that. However, if you can't give that, don't worry either, because liking is super important, subscribing is super important. These are all things that help the, the channel spread to new audience members, to more eyes. So, don't uh, discount any of that. So, thank you for your support. And I will get on to spoilers for Blood Vessel. And it's a good title. And it's one of those things when I realized it was a vampire movie, or something like a vampire movie, the title was even a little bit better because beforehand it was like okay blood vessel you've got the double meaning of you know blood vessels in your body and a, a ship a vessel of blood <laughs> you know there's blood on the ship blood vessel right but then once i realized oh this is about vampires oh okay okay now it, it makes even more sense than it did before uh i won't quite say it's a triple meaning because it really just ties into the whole blood vein thing uh as in you know blood vessels but you know what i mean <laughs> It just ties into that, but it, it made more even more sense at that point. As far as going through the or the the big beats of the movie, uh, there's a, you know the the nurse is actually bit in the hand in the first scene where they in, introduce the uh, the girl, and it's kind of like you know the veins are starting or the, I should say the vessels are starting to like bulge and it's clear something's happening later on, um, and eventually once like the other vampires wake up because you know the, the girl turns out to be the daughter and basically the, the sole perpetrator 
who has killed the entire ship. Um, although, much like good survival horror, and one of the things I love about stuff like Aliens and Resident Evil, and by Resident Evil I mean the games, not the, the movies, is the idea of, like, okay, something happened here, and some actions were taken by the crew, and they discover through, you know, some assumptions, recordings, you know, diary entries, whatever, that basically... Like, the captain of the ship took them off course so that no one would find them because the, the idea that these vampires could never be unleashed upon the world or be, that it'd be doomed. Even the evil Nazi ship captain was like, no, we can't let this into the world. I'm taking us off course and, you know, killing myself and that's it. Uh, but of course, the idiots decide to, uh, like, go snooping around and they find some treasure on the, on the ship and uh, the New York guy's really excited by that. But ultimately uh you know looking for more treasure the new york guy opens he just thinks it's a chest and i, I was immediately because because they get some like old like film footage of all this stuff leaving the museum and there's a couple of big crate looking things and that's what they say they are and i'm like bitch please Th- those are coffins that that, <laughs> that that is a fancy i mean it's a fancy like expensive gold and jeweled you know like this thing costs tens and maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars but it's a coffin and sure enough he opens with his greed looking for more stuff and basically the way i described this 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 the head vampire the the male vampire was i called him man bat because that's what he looks like he's got big bat ears his face is like a big giant bat he's a humanoid bat so it's definitely vampire-esque and that they do react to blood but a lot of the other rules aren't there. There are reflections, although reflections might reveal that they're when they're faking human because they can sort of fake looking human. And not even that, we find out later on that they can outright pretend to be someone else. They can sort of make you hallucinate, which is kind of again, it's kind of an extension of an, an actual vampire thing. Um, not in every vampire, you know, work of fiction, but in a lot of vampire mythology, some movies, some TV shows, some books, whatever. You get vampires who can, you know, glamour their victims and sort of put them into a trance. It's kind of an extension of that, where the vampire will make the person see, like, a loved one who's died or something to try and trick them. It's it's also kind of a ghostly thing. Uh, but it's very monstrous. It's, you know, he's a big bat-looking creature. Um, and then the, the wife, when he eventually breaks her out after he kills the other dude, uh, is... You know, it's just, it's, uh, she, she's a little bit different. She's not quite as bat-like. She's, she's a little bat-like, but doesn't, she doesn't have the big ears. So, you know, different again. Uh, but these, honestly, this makeup and prosthetics look quite good. Uh, this, this was the surprising moment of the movie. There's also a really good kill in the middle, where someone basically hacks uh, a head off, and it takes, like, four, five, like, good hacks, and it feels kind of like they're hitting with the neck with a blunt item, and it's just kind of gradually happening. Uh, that looked quite good as well. So those are the kind of the, the standout kind of moments uh, the character stuff i mean there's like some tension between the new york guy and the other kind of like american cook character um who dies very early and notably as a black character and i did kind of note that he was like one of the first characters to die and <laughs> it's one of those things where it's, it's such a, an old trope at this point that it, i can't help but notice when it happens and I don't know if he was the very first. There may have been one before him, but it was very early. You have him. The New York guy dies when he wakes the vampire up. Um, it's not that long before the 
it's, it's established that whenever a vampire, one of these vampires is bit a person, it doesn't matter which one either. It can be the daughter, it can be the husband, the wife, whatever. But if one of them in the bloodline has bit a human, then the head vampire dude, he can like control you and you're kind of Renfield-esque where he's kind of like, you're, because you're, because their blood's now in your system, it can kind of take over a little bit and you can kind of fight back, but you know, ultimately it doesn't necessarily always happen. And that's kind of like, you know, ultimately by the time this is going on, like our, the, the main character is like, okay, we kind of have to like ruin, we have to blow up this ship. We have to stop these things from ever getting out. And that was, you know, where the movie like really, I, I always, I already felt, I already knew through almost the whole thing, what sort of level of movie it was. I was never under the impression that it was maybe going to become something great past a certain point. You know, right from the get go, the dialogue and the cliches, they were just already there. I, I knew what sort of level we're dealing with. Other than the surprising effects at a couple of points, it, it, I knew it wasn't going to like punch above its weight. But the confirmation that kind of encapsulates that is when we get to the moment towards the end when really the only surviving two, kind of, and I'll, I'll get to the, the nurse character in a second separately, but we have the Australian and the Russian and they're kind of like bonded a little bit and they're like, look, we just have to blow this thing up. We can't let these things off. Let's do this. And uh, and they shake hands or, or you know, whatever. They, they, they mildly embrace in some way. And the Russian has been bit at this point, so he's like, you know what, I'm going to have to take this down with me. I'll stay here and blow everything up. And that's fine. Uh, so that's a moment of heroic. But I never felt the weight of them making this choice. It just kind of felt like, okay, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do now. I never felt that these characters were making a choice to then fight back because they realized what was actually on this ship and how apocalyptic it would be. Like, there's a version of this story that could be perfect. <laughs> if, if you gave this to, like, a really slick director, if you gave this to someone who would really build the tension, and I'm, I'm thinking, obviously not now, because he's way past his prime, but I'm thinking, like, Prince of Darkness era John Carpenter. Like, there's something here. <laughs> <laughs> there's something here and it, it could be special but and again it's not that these other elements haven't been done better elsewhere before much better in fact but there's something to be said here um what one of the points that the, uh, the streaming audience pointed out as well uh was that it's a very diverse cast of like characters on this this lifeboat at the start and obviously they're all fighting on the same side in the grand scheme of things, but it's kind of an interesting mix of, like, how did this, just this eclectic of a mix of nationalities uh, get together? It, you know, it's not like all the squads were all completely mixed all amongst all the allied countries when they were fighting in World War Two. so it's a little bit, a little bit weird. They just, you know, they wanted a nice mix of characters, I guess. So you can overlook that for the sake of a, a little diversity, see? But... Yeah, so, don't really feel like that. But the weird thing is, is that at the end of the movie, when it's these two run around on, on their own, and eventually the Australian finds the nurse, and he's like, come with me, this place is going to blow, and they jump off the boat, it explodes behind them, it's this big thing. Um, they... So there's a moment here that feels like it's supposed... To, like, it isn't. It's not meant to be, because it's clearly not been concealed. But there's a moment here that in any other movie would be a twist or a reveal where it reveals that she's already a vampire and she bites him he dies and sort of sinks almost titanic style like jack at the end of titanic into the water and she's saved by the passing british ship 
and now it's like oh shit like the ending is really like depressing because the the vampire bloodline is into the world and she's going to spread it and we're all doomed and it even ends with a bit of a ironic joke where she goes this bloody worry you know very british like but the, the joke being blood you know bloody vampires you know yeah, yeah 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 um but the thing is is that the movie at multiple points like it's one thing for us to know that this is coming and i would argue that even then i don't think the way it's played on the build-up to this happening feels like we're supposed to know but we do it just kind of feels off in that way because as soon as he finds her and he's like no we have to get off we have to get off and it, you know it, it just i don't know it feels it feels odd um but we know at this point that she was already lured in because she was already bitten in the hand remember she was bitten in the hand by the girl in the first like 20 minutes of the movie and about two-thirds through or so she's lured into the the lower decks where the vampires are and he lures her in and i'm thinking she's going to go full renfield but he actually just bites her and i thought okay so he's, he's biting her and she's he's killing her but so when she shows up at the later on in the movie and she's okay it's like oh he's made her a vampire we know this is the audience i still don't think the movie plays out at this point with the right sort of like air of like oh when's she going to strike when's she going to reveal things it feels like it doesn't do that enough anyway but the other problem here is that in her absence when these other characters have been doing their thing and it wasn't just the two of them there was like maybe a third or fourth and then it's been whittled down to two well she's been missing they've actually discovered in that time that the baits lead to infection that the baits lead to you becoming one of them that you become a vampire and that's why the Russian says, I've already been bit, I'm screwed anyway, I'll stay back and blow things up. So, when the Australian guy finds the nurse, he, he completely forgets that she was bitten at the start of the movie. Because that wasn't a secret. Like, they all saw her get bit. No one knew at that time that there was any vampires. And even once they did know there was like something like vampires, they never really seem to know what a, a vampire is in the traditional sense. They don't, they don't instantly know what to do. Uh, you know, they don't know how to fight it. They're looking up the, the weird book of like Nazi fairy tales to like figure it out. Very book of the dead-esque. Uh, you know, there's like a, a case with like holy water, like grenades essentially, that we, we see it used once. It's, it's not super great. But, I mean, the effect looks good. Like, when it gets smashed into the, the vampire's face and it's kind of, like, sort of clinging, those bits, like, peeling off, it look, that looks quite good. But, you know, he doesn't throw it like a grenade, he just kind of smashes it into his face. Which is less exciting, I think. But, she got bit at the start of the movie. And they've figured out, in the meantime, that that means that you're going to become a vampire and that you're screwed. And you can kind of argue it that he's just caught up in the moment, he's forgotten that that bite happened and he wants to save her because he's kind of bonded with her a little bit and he wants to save her and not be the only survivor but it but it is kind of a weird thing where like not only do we know that she's been completely bit and turned everyone in the movie knew she was bit earlier on <laughs> so i don't know it's just it's a little bit weird uh it, it all just feels a little odd and like there's a lack of tension when he finds her and they're running out because you know she's going to be a vampire it's just a question of when she's going to strike and that could be good that could be like a when is she going to do it kind of thing but it's not played like that it doesn't feel like it's played like that it's too busy with the action of the explosions and the running and the jumping to to ever really let it sink in there's never a quiet moment where you have a chance for her to be like oh is she going to do it is she going to do it now uh so 
that's kind of weird. Uh, yeah, so that was one of the big things. Uh, some other details I think are worth mentioning. Uh, the vampires do speak to each other in an ancient language, and we get this like super old school kind of font for the subtitles. Uh, kind of cheesy, but and the voice for the the, the vampires also actually a very cheesy kind of generic uh, voice. It's the kind of thing I'd expect on. And I, and I say this lovingly, but it's the sort of thing I'd expect on like a sort of B level episode of the television show Buffer the Vampire Slayer. Um, that kind of thing, kind of a cheesy demon voice. Uh, another thing is that this movie's full of Chekhov things. And what I mean by that, if you're unfamiliar with the phrase Chekhov's gun, it simply means that if a gun is introduced in the opening act of something, that by the end it's going to be need to be used. Someone's going to fire it because it's been introduced. And it doesn't have to be like first and third act, of course. It can be set up at any point and paid off at any point. But there's a lot of things in this movie I kept saying, oh, that's, that's, that's Chekhov's gun, there's a Chekhov's knife, there's a Chekhov's this, there's a Chekhov's that. And I, I laughed towards the end because earlier on in the film, like the, the, the cook, the one who dies early, he's he used to be an engineer and he says, oh wait, this, this ship's engine is going to over, you know, is going to blow essentially because it's, it's running too dry and there's been no maintenance, it's been running without a crew for however long. And he wants to turn it off, and there's a debate whether or not he should or not. But in the event he does, he turns it off because it's the right thing to do, and it'll it's too dangerous to leave it on. In the third act, when they decide they want to blow up the ship, they say, "Hey, so and so told us about the 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 engine. We can over overload it. We can we can blow up the ship." And I actually just laughed out loud that even that turned out to be Chekhov's like engine, <laughs> Chekhov's overload. I don't know. Uh, I just it was there was a lot of that, and it's not that's not a bad thing. I'm not even saying this is a critique because you know good writing sets things up and pays things off. Um, I guess it's just almost a little too on the nose and on the surface that it keeps doing it, like just sort of set thing up, pay off, set thing up, pay off, as opposed to something that feels a bit more natural and feels a bit. And you can still recognize it if you're kind of paying attention for it and looking for it, but uh, yes, I, I guess what I'm saying is is that this rating is v like extremely just serviceable at times and no more and then at other times it's not even that at other times it's just far too mediocre and by the numbers and then other times it's, a, it's just a little serviceable <laughs> and that's pretty much it it's a very very let luster affair overall um so i mean, I mean that's pretty much it i i, I don't think i want to drag this one out <laughs> anymore uh, it doesn't have quite the crazy stuff that last week's movie did to uh, go but the vampire looked good and a couple of moments with the vampire makeup or a killing here or there looked not bad um but that's pretty much it in terms of positives and it's not a complete and utter painful train wreck it's just mediocre otherwise uh so when it comes to rating this thing i, I mean it's kind of a weird one because what I've described sounds like it's a like five out of ten, but I don't. I don't think I want to give it that. I. I, th I think it's. It's just a, a little crappier than that most of the time, despite the fact that it has the one or two good little elements to kind of rise it above. I am going to go with a four point five. I, I would say that the movie as a whole is like a three and a half to a four, but the the good vampire makeup and a couple of good kills kind of rises it up. Um, I don't think it quite gets to that middle line, though, because I think middle line, you know, you get to that average territory. It's just a little less than that, but it is watchable. It's not, it's not painful, painful. At least when you're watching with others, 
maybe on my own I may have a harder time with this. But, you know, we're going to have worse. There's definitely going to be worse. I've definitely seen worse on Shutter exclusives. So, we'll see where we go from here. So, um, if you made it this far into the review, put the word ManBat into the, the comments to let me know that you did so. Uh, you can, of course, like and subscribe, like I said earlier, very important, as is patreon.com slash TV. Uh, of course, you can catch us on the Twitters. Uh, you can get Screams After Midnight on Twitter, at Screams Midnight. You can get myself on Twitter, at Wibble89. Uh, and, of course, at Mail underscore Fuzz for everything Mail Fuzz TV, uh, including all the other non-horror stuff that we do and everything else. So, that is us. So, that is me, I should say. I'm, just, I'm so used to it being more than me, but that is me. So, thank you once again for watching or listening. I always appreciate it. Keep watching scary movies, guys, and we'll see you next time.